you, um, if you haven't been here over the last couple of weeks and you haven't caught up on the website, um, we're talking and declaring a realm about love and submission. And um, two weeks ago I started talking about this and sort of gave a, a rough overview of the different environments where this love and submission, these two attributes, are to be present. And if they are present in these environments, then we have spirit oneness with him and one another. And I talked how love and submission go hand in hand, like a hand goes into a glove. It's just a little bit boomy up here, Norma, if she can fix that, but behind me it sounds quite boomy. <laughs> um, and so love and submission are incredible attributes that we see throughout Scripture and are essential and critical for us as his people if we want to be one with him firstly and if we truly want to be one with one another. Without love and submission, we won't be one with him which means we literally won't be one with one another in spirit. We can try and shape it through making it happen through the flesh, but we will never be one in spirit with him and one another if love and submission aren't present. problem with that for me is I don't really like surrendering. Anyone here like surrendering? Anyone love submitting your life to another? And yet we find this pattern in Scripture. We find that the Bible says that we are to surrender to Him. We are actually to surrender to leadership. We don't really like that. Because that ultimately gets in the way of what we want to do. And who we want to become. And how we want our own selves to shape our own lives and our own destiny. But that very attitude or culture within us will prevent us from becoming the people he calls us to become. And so we get in the way of who God has called us to be and what he's called us to do. And then we'll even shape that through our own filter and our own lens and wonder why we are not coming into this life that the Bible says we're to be in. And ultimately, it's because we won't surrender. Because we are hardwired not to surrender. We are hardwired. It's our default setting. It's from the seed of the kingdom of darkness that we've come from. And it must submit itself to another realm, another kingdom. It must submit and surrender itself to another domain. It must surrender itself to the lordship of Christ. And if it doesn't and if it won't, then we can't expect to come into the life that Christ has for us because it is his way. And we see that throughout scripture. That's why he gives us Ephesians 5. 
And we can look at that purely just through the lens of a human relationship. But at the end of 33, it says, I'm not talking about really a human marriage. I'm talking about our relationship between man and God. So this is a great mystery that Christ promises to love the church while the church promises to submit and surrender to God. And then that pattern is to flow through every environment. So we talked about those environments saying my relationship with Christ and that's what I want to talk about today because I'm going to break down over the next six or seven weeks every environment. What does it look like to surrender to love? How many people know it's an honor and a privilege and a joy to surrender to love? Have we discovered that reality yet? Or are we still fighting it? So there's this one-on-one. Then what is it going to look like to have me, Danielle, and Christ in that? And we're in the process of talking about, like last week, tag-teaming that when I come to speak about that next week. And so you'll hear from both of us in relation to what that looks like and how that works. How does that play out when I'm called to love her like Christ loves me? And she's called to submit or surrender to me as her head. How does that work in a culture that hates surrendering? I'm not surrendering to nobody. How does this work? Because if we sit and stay in that place, guess what? We will not receive his life. And you can. And his love is so incredible, it will let you stay there. See, because his love doesn't force, it doesn't demand. It won't try and change through manipulation or law. It just presents you an option. And says, do you want to choose this option? You're free to or not. But ultimately, if you don't choose it, you won't receive the life. And so we're confronted with a challenge. And then this outworks itself into a family with children. I was talking with this with Madeline. I mean, what does it look like for my daughter to submit or honor her mother and her father? Knowing that by dishonoring her mother and father, she's really dishonoring God. Because there is an authority placed over her to help her grow. And so by not honoring that authority, you are dishonoring God. Do you realize that applies in the church? Now we're getting really interesting. Because not to submit to leadership in the church ultimately is not submitting to God. Because the Bible says, submit to your leaders. But when you don't like submitting and surrendering or you've been hurt from people, what is that going to look like? Well, yes, I agree. We've probably all been hurt by one another. But we have to get past that because it says that we're called to submit to surrender to one another. So we can paint this picture or sit on this side of the fence and continue to blame or point fingers or even want to justify ourselves and deflect everything. 
Or we go, this may have, may not have happened. I may have been at fault. I may not have. But ultimately, I've got to get past all of that and actually place myself in Christ's process if I want to experience the fullness of life in Christ. And the thing that enables that is love. That's why in this love and submission, it's critical that we know the one of love. Because the knowledge of the one of love is the empowerment to surrender. What happens if your knowledge of God, your true knowledge of God, which is within you, the revealed position is a small measure where you find, because it's a small measure, you find it hard to surrender to him. See, the greater the reality of that love that we've been praying about, the greater the surrender the submission. It will just be a natural outcome. Why? Because love is so incredible. His love is so incredible. You'll end up saying this, I'm compelled to put my life on the line for love. You see, it's the tasting and the seeing of the love of the Father. He is love. It's so profound that a measure of that revealed to you, in you, by the power of the Holy Spirit will literally have you willfully laying down your life. You'll look like Christ. So we have to contend, grapple, wrestle, and pursue a greater reality of love within us, which then will enable us to surrender our lives. Make sense? Not only to him, but to the way he does everything. But what happens while you're on that process and you're on that formational process? It is a lifetime. And you hit a roadblock where God says, okay, it's time to surrender, but there's not necessarily that love motivating that surrender. What do you do? This is where it becomes a choice of will. This is where it becomes an active choice of your will to go, you've written yourself down in me so I can read about you. You've put people in my life and around my life that maybe know you more than I know you, and I'm seeing them laying down their lives. And both of those people, yourself and my friends, my disciples, are encouraging me to make an active choice of my will. And today is the day that I make an active choice of my will in submission to your will, Father, to receive. Just come with me to Luke 5. Luke 5. <clears throat> We're going to see this outworking, what I just said. Because ultimately what you see in Scripture is the disciples before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit really were a little bit hit and miss in their obedience and their surrender. But then after Acts, you get to see a people who are now empowered and filled with the reality of God, God in them. And all of a sudden, their lives look different. Their surrender, their submission looks very different. Not perfect, but very different. There's been a power released into them 
which is enabling them now to surrender. Does that make sense? But pre that, that's what we're going to look at now, they were a little bit all over the place. Yep, well, denying, betraying, trying to kill people, burn fire down. The demons submit to us. So there was a bit of a mixed bag. And you really get to see how important it is to be consumed and be filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God and to be in his living word and having eating the living word, eating my flesh and drinking my blood and having this reality in you because the greater the reality of the word, living word in you, the greater life of submission. And then things just open up like you wouldn't believe what we're about to see here. So Luke 5, 1. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked them to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master... We worked hard all night and caught nothing. Here's the key. But I will do as you say. We've been working hard all night. What's all night? Maybe it's eight hours. Maybe it's four hours. Maybe it's longer. But what we do know is they've been working really hard ultimately doing what they know how to do, and they've come back empty-handed. Jesus pops up, who's not a fisherman, but he is. He says, I've got a great idea. He says, put out into the deep water and let down your nets. Master, we worked all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say, and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them, and they came and filled both of the boats, so that that they began to sink. Overflow, that's right. Life and life abundantly, not just the fish. Then you see Peter going, away from me, for I am a sinful man, Lord. He's caught in amazement. My goodness, you are who you say you are. When I obey and I surrender to your will and your ways, things happen. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. This is in 10 and 11. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. This is a powerful, powerful illustration of what it looks like when one person's not necessarily in a revealed position of Christ where there's an innate natural surrendering of will to one another, but has to make an active choice of one's will to submit and to surrender to the one of love. 
And in that process, you know what happens? Revelation can kick in when all of a sudden you realize and that love is revealed more through an act of obedience. You see, surrendering opens up the realm of the kingdom. The letting go of your will opens up a reality of his will that you won't enter into unless you let go of your will. So we're confronted with an opportunity to see an outpouring in our lives or not. Because these guys have been out all night knowing what they know how to do as fishermen, doing it diligently, doing it well, and in their own strength. I imagine they'd be pretty tired as they come back in and they've got no fruit. No fish. Nothing to show for all their hard effort. And this guy comes along who says, i got a great idea. How about you trust me? Well, there's a big question, isn't it? Trust. How do you trust someone you don't know? It's easy to trust someone I know, but what about someone I don't really know? I've read about him. I've heard about him. But the reality is I don't really know him. I don't know him to a degree that I'm prepared to surrender my life and my thinking and everything that's contained to that. But he tells me, that if I want to receive all, I have to. You see, there is no other option. We'll try and create other options and wonder why things aren't happening. You see, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And there is no other way except through me to my Father. Now, so often, and for a while, I only read that thinking it was about eternity. Oh, yeah, I can't go through Buddha. I can't go through Hindu. I can't go through other relations if I want to be with the Father and through my eternity. I believe he's saying more than that. I believe he's saying, actually, if you want to come into the Father, the knowing of the Father, and understand the Father's ways, then you actually have to come through my process. And my process, I am the way, as I demonstrated what that way looks like, death and resurrection. So my way is repentance. My way is death. If you come through my way, which is actually death, which I physically demonstrate, you'll come into the truth, a truth that will make you free, which will birth life. And I come to bring a life of abundance. But if you don't come through me and try and go around me, then you won't receive my life. But see, my way is surrender. And once again, that's a problem because I don't want to surrender. I quite like being able to shape and design the way I live because it suits me. Anyone else? I'm on my own here. <laughs> You're going to hang me out to dry. We're all in this together. What does he promise us while he asks us to surrender. I love you. 
I'll love you, and I'll love you, and I'll love you. You see, we have to come into a reality of, I will never leave you or forsake you. I'm not going anywhere. Even when I don't want to surrender, Lord, yeah, not going anywhere. I'm going to love on you and love on you till that breaks that. What about when I mess up? What about when I say one thing and do another? Or what about when I'm struggling? Dealt with that at the cross. Why are you even focusing on that? See, he's going to love us into submission. He wants to love you and I into submission. Hence, we've been banging on and banging on. And I'm going to continue to bang on about knowing him. Because if you know him, you'll love him. If you love him, you'll know him. Then you'll be able to trust him. And then this whole thing won't be hard. See, it's only hard because we're trying to hang on. (laughs) It ain't hard if you let go. Why? Because you see the outpouring of the fish and you realize, hey, hey, he is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And it's now just not words coming out of your mouth on a Sunday or in the week. It's your reality. And now you're living from another reality, another dimension, his reality for you, and it works. Doesn't mean it's not easy. Doesn't mean you're not going to have another trial and tribulation and a challenge. But all of a sudden, you've transitioned from one reality into another through your surrender. Whether that came from being motivated from an incredible love or whether it was a pure act of a choice of your mind and your will and everything in you that went, I'm not drowning. I can't walk on water. It works. Imagine being Peter. Once again, he's before Pentecost and he gets called out of the boat. But the boat represents safety. It's what I know. It's everything that I've built my life on. And you're asking me to get out of it and to walk on water. You drink water. You don't walk on it. (laughs) You see, he heard God speak. He heard. God called him. See, when you hear God calling, what do we do? He didn't presume. He didn't just go, I've got a good idea. He didn't go, I think. He heard. If it's you, speak. God then, it's me, spoke. He went, I'm surrendering to the natural. He's surrendering to the natural. It is impossible for man to walk on water. Yes, in man. See, there's so much going on here. Put yourself in Peter's shoes. You're asking me to walk on water. I've never seen this done. It's not natural, but you're saying something. You're saying something. You're saying something. You're saying something. You know how many people come to me, God, Greg, I want a prophetic word. I said, you've got a whole book full of them. There you go. No, no, no. I want a personalized word. Yep, there you go. You got a personalized word. No, no, you don't understand. I want to know what I'm going to be doing in two years' time. You've got a whole book. Go and sort it out. There's your prophetic word. The whole book is prophetic in nature. There it is right in front of you. You may have had it for years. Stop asking for the wrong thing. 
Does God speak individually? Yes. Please hear what I'm saying. Keep asking for questions and God's going, here we go, I'm right in front of him, giving him the answer. But the answer doesn't come the way we want it to come, does it? Because it must come the way we want it to come, which is our will. But God says, no, 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 no. It's my will be done. Did you miss that in the scriptures? My son in Luke, Father, not your will be done. Sorry, not my will be done. Your will be done. Motivated by love. See, the ultimate position that God's trying to lead us to is that you have surrender motivated by love, activated by faith. You could put trust in there. Surrender submission motivated by a revealed position of love, activated by trust in him. That's the, that's the position God's trying to build and lead us to. Because he is massive. Now to him, him who is able to do immeasurably, can't measure this, more than you can even ask or think, imagine, according to the power, the life that's within you. So God is going to move or not, in, in one essence in the scripture, according to the power that you have within you, because that reality of God in you enables you to see God for who he is. And of course, I love what Haley said, you're in a partnership and now you're like moving with God. And you're seeing and experiencing things that are, have always been for you at a measure that just blows your cotton socks. And ultimately we go, why did I wait so long? If only. Anyone see that? See that? Why didn't I kneel at the age of 21 when you came to my room with lights and bells and whistles at 3 o'clock in the morning. Why did it take me eight years? Because you're a stubborn mule, Simnor. And I had to break you down more and more and more before you would surrender your will. This is a powerful thing. It's God-given, but not God-defined gets you and I in trouble. You realize that? God gives us this incredible will, this strength. It's God-given. Everything's from him. Everything's from him. But not defined by him and given back to him will be defined by us. That's how you can get people that heal the sick, prophesy, lay hands on people, and still hear, who are you? They did heal the sick. They did raise the dead. They do cast out demons. They did prophesy in his name. Then how come he says to them, I never knew you? Well, the answer is before that. It says those that do the will of the Father enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, I thought that was the will of the Father. 
Well, it is, but who's defining it? That's a challenge, isn't it? See, not only is it about surrendering our life, we need to surrender how, into how he does everything. You've heard my testimony. Greg, I build my church. Are you going to let me build my church now that you've seen how I build my church? Or are you going to continue going on doing it the way you think? Now that I've shown you, Greg, it's not all about reaching the lost, but it is about my bride and the loving my, people loving me with all their heart and preparing for a bride, not reaching the lost as a first place priority. That challenged my mindset. Are you actually going to realign yourself now to this new picture or are you going to continue to live as if it's all about reaching the lost? Have you asked yourself why our vision changed? Have you asked yourself why the rock shifted gear? <laughs> One minute we're going this way, and now we're going that way. And everyone that wasn't hanging on, <laughs> it wasn't because I, and talked with the elders, oh, I've got a good, another good idea. I read a book, and I found this next, the next thing. No. When he reveals to you his will, his plan, you're confronted with a reality that goes, what am I going to do with that? Because now I'm accountable to what you're showing me. While I'm unaware, Paul said, in ignorance, grace is covering me. But now that the Father reveals something through grace, now you're accountable. Okay, what are we going to do? Will you surrender... Greg, to me. But Lord, that's going to mean A, B, C. Yep. Will you surrender to me? Man, that's going to mean D, E, F. Yep. You're going to surrender to me. You see, whose will is going to be done? Here's the real challenge, and this is, you talk about partnership and God giving sovereignty to man. I could have said no. You go, okay. But I'm moving on because my will will be done. And I'll either raise someone else up here or I'll move completely off and go somewhere else because my will will be done. That's scary, isn't it? sovereignty of choice that God gives man because the partnership he wants to bring us into but if we will surrender to him and his will life comes and my testimony in the last five years through this act of submission and surrender I'm an abundance of abundance of life within me and I feel a little bit guilty even sharing it because it's so incredible but I'm going to share it because it glorifies him and there's a reality for every one of us that's here and not here today in him through surrender and submission to love. Not to law, to love. I was in Hamilton um, during the week and I was just connecting with what they call Activate Churches based in Hamilton, but there's one in um, Tokoroa, Fielding, um, Raglan, 
and I think it's near Plymouth. And I was just part of a meeting and sort of they invited me to come along and it was awesome. And Sheridan said this, maybe in discussion, he said, a Romanian pastor was asked this question, why has the Western church lost its power or influence with God and man? And the answer he gave was, we have substituted surrender for commitment. The question again, why has the Western church lost its power or influence with God and man? We have substituted surrender for commitment. Our surrender or submission must define our commitment. See, here's the reality. I could be here and I could be completely committed to being in the position I am. I'm just not surrendered. So ultimately, I'm doing it my way. You can be committed to coming here and being part of the family 100%, even in the name of Jesus, but you're actually committed to doing it your way while you're here. And if things don't align to your way, you get a bit upset. So are we surrendered and then committed? Because otherwise, we're going to be Matthew 7.21 people who are going to hear some things and wonder why we're going to hear them. See, I've been in multiple music teams, and one of the things that has come through in my time, not so much now, in fact, not really now, but in the past, was we do it our way or no way. So, yep, I've been given a gift, given a talent, but really I'm serving myself. Because I have a need to serve myself, I have a need for this gift to work, but I'm not really serving God or you because... When I'm asked to serve and play a certain way or not play, I get really upset with that. And so I'm not interested or I don't want to be part of it anymore because I can't do it the way I want to do it. So you can be committed and you can turn up here week in, week out. You can lay your life down, do all those things, but still not be surrendered. So really all you're doing is you're committed to you and using your gift to serve yourself and not him. That's deep, eh? And that's a real challenge. Why? Because once again, remember, we're hardwired with self. And that's the greatest challenge for mankind is to let go of him or herself. I, 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 I. Me, 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 me. Well, really, those words don't exist in the kingdom of God. And I believe that's what this guy is saying here. We've substituted surrender for commitment. No, no. Our commitment must be defined by our surrender. Otherwise, we're just committing to ourselves. That's why the Bible says that you can prophesy but not have love and be a gong. It ends by saying you can even give your life and still not have love, and it's a complete waste of time. So your whole submission or surrender has been motivated really by you, not through him. So it looks good, doesn't it? And it looks the part, and no one really knows because you can't see, because physically I look like I'm doing it all, but ultimately my heart position is I'm not surrendered, and so I'm not coming into the life. 
And we may kid ourselves, but we'll never kid him. I don't know why you'd want to, but we seem to want to do this at times. But what we are is we're then void of the life. So he says, it's my way. Will you surrender to me? And then will you allow me to do it my way? And our choices determine everything. And look, the more we're in him and have a revealed position of him because we are pursuing him because of love, then the easier that will be. But if we're in a position today where we're going, look, I'm really struggling. I really don't have a renewed position of love. I know that he knows me in my, I know that he loves me in my mind, but it's not yet in my heart, so I'm struggling to do that. Can I just encourage you? You just have to. You just have to do that. There isn't another way around it. So if you're looking, stop. Because you'll save yourself a whole lot of time, energy, effort. You'll stop going out every night in your own strength fishing for fish, wondering why you're not finding any fish. Surrender, motivated by love, is the key to coming into his life. I think that's why he says this, and this is what I'll finish with. Deny yourself before you come and follow me. See, we read Matthew and one of those other books, and he just says, hey, come follow me. See, he's way smarter than we are. And that's why you have to read the whole Bible. Because I reckon he's going, if I tell them to deny themselves here, they're probably not going to come follow. So I'll just say, follow me, and then I'll tell them later. I'll woo them with a bit to get them out of that default setting of self. I reckon he does the miracle here in Luke because he's like doing a miracle. Oh. But you know what? Before you come, you actually got to deny yourself. You get asked why. Why does he say that? Deny self. Self is our greatest opposition to experiencing him. It's not the enemy, guys. We blame the enemy. We blame him. Why? Because we justify it. We make it about him. So it's not about us. See, Michael Jackson had a key song, and he's a prophet. Hear what I'm saying when he said, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. No message could be any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. We can't change ourselves, but we can surrender to the one who can. I'll leave you with that. Father, I thank you for what you're building here, who you're building. You're building your church, and you're building her your way. And I pray, Lord, as as a leadership, as an eldership, as a community, we would continue to position ourselves under you. We would be like Mary, not Martha. Father, we would listen and position ourselves and do it your way. So I ask this in Jesus' name.